Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Thank you guys, and Denise, welcome to the platform. Hey, let's go ahead and get your Bibles out. I'm going to share God's Word with you today. you got to find three places in your Bibles today, okay? Acts 1-8, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and then 2 Corinthians 9. Write those down, maybe so that you don't lose track of that, but jot those down real quick, and then you can find those places in your Bible. We'll look at them in that order. Hey, while you're jotting that down, looking up these scriptures, I want to let you know that I'm continuing, of course, with Tim at 12 on Wednesdays, Wednesdays at noon, and that's always available on playback as well. But uh, but this week, I'm going to be wrapping up, or actually over the next two weeks, I'm wrapping up this big mega series that I've been doing for quite a while called Your Questions Answered. You guys last fall uh, submitted questions to me uh, regarding three topics. It could be the supernatural, the end times. It could be about uh, also prophecy. And, and I've taken those questions, had to consolidate some of them, but I've been answering those over the, the last several weeks. Now, the last question I'm going to be answering, I'm going to take two weeks to answer it. It begins this Wednesday and continues the week afterwards. But that is a question about the seven seals. I actually received more questions about the book of Revelation and the seven seals and all of that than anything else. So I'm answering that uh, because uh, there is some, some questions about that. Is that happening right now? Do we see this unfolding in our world? And we'll be dealing with that directly by what the scriptures actually say. And that begins this Wednesday at noon. You can watch that on the City Life app, on our YouTube and Facebook uh, group pages. And then, uh, and then again, it's also available on Playback on YouTube and Facebook, so you can catch it at any time after that. So I'd love for you to, to dive into that with me this Wednesday night. I love doing that teaching. Also, one of the things that I do with that is I usually give about a five-minute teaching on Christian history, some things from history that you probably don't even really know about that, that, are, that have actually changed the world as we know it today. And, uh, and it's, just, it's fascinating to see what God has done through the years uh, through Christianity. But today I'm going to be sharing a message entitled, How to Change the World. How to Change the World. Now, before, we, uh, before I get into that, I, I have to think of a person who I consider to be a world changer, and that's my father-in-law, Mario. And just to tell you a little bit about this, I, I didn't go into detail last Sunday morning because I didn't really know what was going on. But as I did share last Sunday morning, Rebecca was out because she was with her father in, uh, in New Braunfels. And she was there with him. We just knew that, that some problems had, had arisen. But come to find out that he had blood poisoning and he, his body had, had gone into sepsis, which meant his organs were shutting down. He was literally hours from death on Saturday night, and uh, the, her family was able to get him into the hospital and get him uh, uh, into the emergency room. They put him on IVs and, and started dealing with what they thought was a stroke. They didn't realize it, but it was actually a blood infection. And thank God they were able to identify this and, 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 uh, and get him back, um, actually get him to the place where he could leave the hospital. He left the hospital. Rebecca was still with him during the week and, and just kind of helping him out and noticed just a huge rash on his leg and started looking it up and asking questions and went to the doctor and come to find out that rash was actually the source of it. He had something called cellulitis, which, which is a strep infection, which is, uh, which is in, your, uh, in your skin. It goes under your skin and into your body, which was the source of the infection. And if it wasn't dealt with, he'd be right back in the hospital in worse condition. But she was able to see that and spot that. Uh, and and uh, they, they got him right back in and dealt with that. So she sent me a picture on Saturday morning, yesterday morning, and said, look, here's the difference in the infection. She can see, actually see radical change. It's, it's changing. It's, it's not as bad as it was. God's healing him, and the medicine is healing him. Thank you, Lord. So she says, I'm jumping in my car and coming home, and I'm, I'm glad to have you back, sweetheart. But, uh, but I'm just glad that, that I believe God intervened. See, let me tell you what I did. 
is, and, uh, is when, when this immediately happened, when we knew there was a problem on Saturday, I uh, certainly wanted her to be able to go as, as quickly as possible to visit her dad. But I called on the elders of the church, and I asked them to pray, to pray, to pray. And the elders of the church began praying immediately. And, and another thing that, that we did is we, I kept them up to date. Uh, Rebecca and I kept elders up to date on what was happening. Didn't share it with the congregation at large, but definitely with the elders of, of what was going on. Some of you were asking during the week, and I was able to share with you individually. But thank the Lord that, uh, that he's doing better today. I don't know if he's at his church preaching right now, but, but uh, he's, pro- he's a tough guy. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's probably, I'm sure he's there. He's there pro- they're probably doing something today. But, but he's a, he is a hero. I mean, I, I'll tell you that because that man, he, he left his life in Mexico and immigrated to the United States and got his citizenship. And one of the things he began doing long after he got over here is he began working in, in a print shop. And this print shop, one of the main ministries that they did was translating a spirit-filled literature into the Spanish language because they didn't have any of that in Mexico and throughout Latin America. And, and so they, they were translating this and printing this, and he continued that ministry until he retired. And, and I'm grateful to God that this man has helped to get the Word of God not only into Mexico but into Central Amer- America, South America. And what's even, uh, what's even more amazing is he still pastors to this day. What, what is he, 87, 88, I mean, double A's, wow. He's 88 years old. And he is—he still pastors his church. Uh, Rebecca was telling me that two Sundays ago, I guess this infection was already in his body, and he didn't really know what was happening. But he got up there and preached, and as soon as he finished preaching, he almost passed out, and people had to help him out, and he didn't know what was going on. But but this—he's a—he's—he's a true hero in my eyes, and I'm grateful for God's healing in his life. I'm grateful for the elders of this church. I'm grateful for the power of God. So. Can we just pray? Well, I want to take just a second and pray for a man that, that uh, most of you have never met. But I want to pray for this man who means so much to me in my life. We're going to pray for Mario, okay? God, we just lift up Mario to you who's in New Braunfels. We pray for your healing to continue in his body, continue just flushing this infection out. And I pray that, that you will just honor this man of God for his diligent service to you all the days of his life as he's just committed so much and sacrificed so much for getting the gospel out into other nations and for pastoring a church that, that reaches others that, that most churches would never reach. So bless him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a little more about his church, the church that he pastors in New Braunfels. It's a uh, it is a Spanish-speaking church. Everything's in Spanish there. And, uh, and, and currently the people who, are, who attend there, uh, of course, Spanish is their native language. Many of them know little of no English. And, uh, and so whenever I preach there, he always has to do the interpretation. You know, he has to interpret what I'm, what I'm saying. And uh, I, he might change my sermons. I really don't know. But... Uh, but but because there's, there are, uh, are a lot of people from, from Central America and South America coming into the United States, they're finding this church and they're able to receive the gospel. And I just think that's a beautiful way that he's able to minister to these people in their native language and to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that right there, that's just amazing stuff. That really is. It really is. Well, the question is, <laughs> how do you change the world? I I. I I give you this title, How to Change the World. Now, I know you might think, okay, that's a little bit lofty, and it is, it is. But I think we're supposed to believe lofty, and we're supposed to think lofty, and it's because Jesus gave us some lofty things to do. So I'm going to look at these three passages of Scripture very quickly and launch from there. The sermon's going to be a little different than normal. I'm going to launch from there into some practical teaching about how to change the world. Now, First of all, the very first scripture I want to share with you is something Jesus said to his followers just before he left this earth. And he said this, and this is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's telling these people, uh, these followers, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me explain that to you. So what he's saying is, he's getting ready to leave. He said, you need something. You need the power of God. You can't do this. You can't change the world if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And this power, this Holy Spirit power, is then going to enable you to do what people can't do on their own. You see, if you want to change the world on your own, good luck. Let me just tell you, that's not going to happen. But if you have the power of God, that's when it begins to happen. Then he said, he gave them just how to do it. You start at home. Jerusalem, which is where they were at the moment. Judea, which is the surrounding area. And then Samaria, which which was kind of a neighboring country. And then the uttermost parts of the world. He told them to go places they hadn't even discovered or didn't even know existed at that time, such as where we are right now. And that's how the gospel actually spread. And it's kind of interesting because on Tim at 12 this week, I, I touch on a little bit of Christian history. I talk about how, how uh, some men were in the city, from the city of Thessalonica, how they went into Central Europe and took the gospel over there and how the gospel then spread out through persecution and started a huge, powerful revival that, that ended up being in Germany, of all places, and, and uh, in Hernhut, Germany, where, where there was a 24-hour prayer meeting that lasted 100 years. But it all started off with, Paul, who was, who was sent out by God and by the church, he went to Thessalonica, started a church. The gospel permeated there. People were raised up. Generations went by. Other missionaries went out from there into Central Europe. Generations went by. It, can, it continued to grow and expand. And then, and then, boom, God does something amazing right up until today. That's how this works. Okay, so that's the first scripture. You change the world by having the power of the Holy Spirit. You got that part? Now, if you don't have that part, if you don't get that part, the rest of this is not going to really work. So that's critical. Here's the second one, Matthew 28, and this is uh, beginning in verse 19. And this is something else Jesus told his followers just before he left the earth. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. That's a key word, a critical word. Go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations, as you know, uh, typically in the, in the New Testament, it was really better translated as all people groups. So any kind of a, of a people group, it doesn't necessarily mean nations like Canada or Sweden or the United States. It just means people groups. Here in Fort Worth, there, is a, there are a lot of people groups. This is a very, very much of an international type of city. So, so we go and we cross over into these other people groups. So go and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I really believe in water baptism right there. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's that second part there, which is critical for us, is it's not, it's, if we're going to go into all the world, you know, we actually start at home. The big thing that we have to do is build relationships with people. We make disciples. We, we bring people along. We baptize them. In fact, one of the things that we do here at City Life Church is if you win somebody to Christ or there's someone in your family that you've led to the Lord, there's someone that you're discipling, I want you to baptize them. And in fact, we had this happen happened a, a while back, like, there was this lady who had uh, led someone else to Christ, and she baptized her, and then someone came up to me after church, and said, that's the first time I, I've ever seen a woman baptizing someone. I didn't know that was allowed. I was like, well, where is it disallowed? <laughs> I mean, if we are to make disciples of all nations, and yes, yeah. I mean, so, if, so around here, you don't have to have to, like, go to college for all these years and have ministerial degrees and, and, and have certifications that you hang on your wall before you can baptize someone. Actually, the way it works is if you disciple someone, you lead someone to Christ, you get to baptize them. That's, and I believe that's powerful and that's biblical. I like what the Bible says, don't you? All right, so that's part of what we do around here. And, and it says, and then you teach them. So that's the training, that's that teaching people pulling them in. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to talk more about that today in quite a bit. Uh, and then, you know, just keep, 
keep doing it. Just keep perpetuating this. Okay, now, now I want to look at the last one. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And the context of this is really 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. It's all about generosity financially when it comes to helping out others that are even outside of your local church. And so that's, you, you can read that on your own. I'm not going to read two chapters to you, but if you'd like to read that all, I, I encourage you to, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And that is a, that's, that's that uh, of, of just the, the generosity of giving and how it actually impacts other people. So he, here's, what, here's what Paul says. He says, now he, and he's pretty much wrapping up this teaching at this point, he who supplies seed to the sower, now that is God, God, and that seed he's speaking of is actually money. And if you don't believe me, you read chapters 8 and 9, you'll definitely see that's the case. So now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And that's, and that's when, you're, when you're being generous, when you're being generous with your own giving financially. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, that means through us, because he's a missionary here, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So it's actually a form of worship, and God will provide more so you can continue to worship him financially. And that is, the when you put the three of these together, you come up with actually a very real and workable formula to change the world. But we need to talk about the specifics on this. How does, this, how does it work? Okay. I'm going to go back into this. This is, this is very basic, but I want you to hear this and get this into your heart. First of all, you receive Holy Spirit power. That's the thing first and foremost. Receive Holy Spirit power. I believe that you should be asking for that and receiving that. In fact, even early this morning when we were, uh, when we were uh, together with the staff and the team, we're praying just for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. We want that Holy Spirit power working in our lives. And, uh, and we should do that on a regular basis because as we give out, we're releasing the Holy Spirit. So we need to continue to be filled with His Spirit. And the second thing to do is to make disciples. So we get involved in other people's lives. Now, this, this part of making disciples quite often has been seen as something that only professional clergy can do. And, and I think that is, and I'm, if you don't know what that means, that's me. That's a person, I'm professional clergy, or that's, that's Jake. So, so, but if you, if you really read the Bible, it doesn't say that only the people who are professional clergy are supposed to be making disciples. We all are too. We are to be out there involved in people's lives, leading them and guiding them deeper into the things of God. The, the next thing says we're supposed to baptize the disciples. I already talked about that, but that's a, that's a critical element of it. And, and I want to see, in fact, I even want, want to challenge you with this, is to see water baptism escalate. I, I really want to see it escalate in this church this summer. And uh, Jake and I, we've already been talking about that, about, about uh, that's something that's stirring in our hearts that we really, we really want to see happen because something significant happens there. And the, the next part is to teach the disciples. So that's giving teaching, but it's not just information. Uh, in our culture, we love the transference of information. We just feel like the more information we can get, the better we are. But it's teaching that is transformational that causes us to do something. So you're acting on something that you're learning. You're, you're, you're putting your hands to it. You're getting your hands dirty doing the things that you're being taught. And then the last point here is to give generously. And generous giving always has and always will go hand in hand with changing the world. Now, this is a personal responsibility. I can't enforce it or mandate it, but it's something we have to accept as a personal challenge. Now, this same strategy is actually what brought the gospel to this city back in 1855. <laughs> Fort Worth had its very first church plant in 1855, and the building that's evidence of that is located just a few blocks right over from here, right next to the tower. It's very close. And you see, the, 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 the local church 
has always been God's secret weapon for establishing his kingdom on this earth and for changing this earth. And so City Life Church, us, we, we carry on that tradition both here and around the world. That's why we have planted a church in downtown Fort Worth. But, but back in 1855, way back then, uh, Fort Worth was a small outpost of about 400 people. And, uh, and can you believe what's happened 168 years later? It has just over the past couple weeks been released that we are now America's 12th largest city. We were the 18th largest city when City Life started. We're now the 12th most populous city in America. The most recent, recent statistics tell us that during the last decade, that, that Fort Worth was the fastest growing large city in America. It grew by almost, by almost 25%. And, uh, and again, this last year, it is again, number one, the fastest growing large city in the United States of America. But, and so we, we see what's happened here in this nation, but who would have thought that this, this guy who, was, who came here as a missionary actually brought, this, brought the gospel into this city, and we are still benefiting from it today. See, it was a church planter who came here, and, and, and he really initiated the faith movement in this city because there was no one preaching the gospel, and this was a rough, rough place. God had called someone to spread the gospel right here in our own city, and the area of town where he began preaching was nine blocks straight in this direction, which was formally known. It wasn't known that at the time, but... It, it used to be known as Hell's Half Acre. It was straight up there, and it wasn't just half an acre. It was more like two acres. It was, a, it was an area of, of just, just horrible uh, spiritual activity. There was an impressively high murder and suicide rate. In fact, it was said that up, up until the, really up in, into the, uh, I believe it was the 1870s, that there were more suicides per capita in Hell's Half Acre than anywhere else in the state of Texas. That's the desperate condition that this city found itself under. And uh, it, it was a, basically, this, this city was the Old West. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of like what you see in the movies, except worse, because they cannot, they're not going to show it all to you in the movies. But it was this uh, very robust, I guess you could say, saloon culture, and it was full of drug abuse, uh, alcoholism, prostitution. Prostitutes literally had their own little shanties that they would, they would live in and take their customers just nine blocks straight up the road from here. And... Uh, that was Fort Worth's original culture. That was the direction this city was going. But what happened is a missionary came into this town and said, oh, well, I'm going to bring something different. He stepped in, and here came a man full of the Holy Spirit. He began making disciples. He baptized them. He taught them, and they gave generously, and others, others gave generously so that could actually happen. And we're still reaping the benefits of it today. I mean, so how in the world do you reach people in such a tough area. It's hard for us to really imagine that that was happening just down the road. But see, God called a man to work in the culture, but not be of the culture. And he established a new culture. And his name was Reverend A.M. Dean. And uh, it's, there's, a, there's a little historical marker that's uh, it's just a few blocks from here, about eight blocks from here, which, which speaks about him, and it says he came to Fort Worth with a revolver in one hand and a hymnal in the other. And uh, that is definitely Fort Worth culture right there. He is, so, so he had his revolver, and he has, if you don't know what a hymnal is, if you're younger, you've never seen one of those before, it's a book that has a bunch of songs about Jesus in it. And so he came singing and worshiping, and, and he also had his, had his gun there, you know, he was ready to go. But can you imagine... This man leading drunk cowboys and prostitutes uh, in, in worship and singing songs uh, around the pianos at one of those saloons in 1855. That's what changed this city. See, what he did is he came and he established kingdom culture. You see, because wherever we go, we carry the presence of God. He is, the Spirit of God is in us. We carry him. So whenever he would walk into a saloon, bam, God had just arrived on the scene and it changed this city. 
And I tell you what, that man was on a great adventure, and he did some amazing, amazing things. And I want you to be on the great adventure of changing your city, changing your nation, changing the world. I have a, uh, have a group of men that I meet with, and it's, it's my men's discipleship group. And, uh, and we had this really engaging conversation on Monday. I, I usually try to keep our meetings at about an hour, and these guys, they kept going and talking until I just said, Stop! We, we have to end! We, and this has to end, okay? At some point, we have to go home. But, uh, but, but they just kept talking and talking. But, but, uh, but really, we were talking about romantic relationships. And, of course, that's very engaging. Uh, you know, some of the guys are married in the group. Most of them, are, or two-thirds of them, are, are single, uh, young adult men. And, uh, and we were talking about how it is innate in men to be leaders in relationships uh, and and this, this statement came out of here, and, and I, I wrote it down in my notes that, that, uh, that day, and I just transferred it here to this, mer- this sermon. But it says, but here's a little statement. No woman is going to follow a man whose sole adventure in life is to get sex and validation from her. There's no woman that's going to follow a man like that. Yet in our culture, what's happening is that's what the men are, 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 are looking for. And so... If men, if you're trying to get sex and validation from a woman, you're, you're going at the wrong route. And all the guys were agreeing on I'm telling you, the single guys, the married guys, they were all agreeing on that. In fact, the, what came out of that is we need to offer her your strength. Don't try to get strength from her. Give her your strength. A woman doesn't want to be your adventure. She doesn't want to be the adventure. Uh, I mean, you know, she wants to be invited up into an adventure. And so, men, this message today is also for you. And it is for you to get on mission in your life and do the adventure of changing the world. And then maybe you can invite your wife or some girlfriend or your fiancé to join you in your quest. All right, I get kind of excited about that topic. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm going to be doing a series in June called Godly Masculinity, and I'm really looking forward to that. So that's going to be launching here in a couple of weeks. But, uh, and, and when I get into that series, men and women need to hear that series. So if you're going to change the world, here's, here we go. We're, we're, get, we're getting back to this. You need to receive Holy Spirit power. You need, to, you need to make disciples. You need to baptize those disciples. You need to teach disciples, and you need to give generously. And you can't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Now, I, I want to talk about where we are as a nation and where we are as a culture right now because we're really in a new, uh, a new era in America, and, and not just in America, but in American Christianity. And I, I got to thinking about this recently that something is different about American Christianity today than it was when I was being raised. I mean, there are a lot of things that are different, but there's, there's a big significant difference. And the significant difference is this, is no longer in America do we have any national significant spiritual leaders. Now, there are some that, that have, a, have a large platform, but there are no significant national spiritual leaders compared to what it was 20 or 30 or even 40 years ago. But it, it isn't the case. I mean, those are the days of Billy Graham, John Stott, Chuck Colson, uh, David Wilkerson, Oral Roberts, Bill Bright, and those were people that, that, that just, when they spoke, everybody listened. Everybody listened. There is no such person in America today. The landscape has changed, and that means something for us. They're gone. They're gone. Uh, these, these people that were highly respected, they're no longer on this earth anymore. What did they do? Well, they guided the way for us, and they, they held big meetings, and they gave direction to the church, and the church as a whole received it and moved forward, but there's a void there. There is no significant national leader who is, uh, who's on the, on the platform of guiding our nation spiritually. And I got to thinking about that, you know, what does that mean for us? Is this bad or is this good? And I just have to say, well, I, th- I think it's okay <laughs> because Jesus is still the answer and Jesus is the head of the church. You see, and Jesus has already given us the methods in the scriptures to change the world. And the early church, 
that's what they had too. In fact, in the early church, they had that national leader that was on the scene. It was Jesus Christ, and he was leading everything, and then all of a sudden he was gone. Now what do we do? Well, you got to do these things that I just told you to do, which is what I just told you to do. It's like it's happening again. And I, I, I think that's thrilling because really we can change the world. If you read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse 6, we see that Paul and Silas and Luke, I mean, they were on this uh, missionary journey here, and, and, and they get into this town called Thessalonica, which <laughs> I eventually told you about, actually has world impact and still does today, even though the city is nothing like what it used to be today. But they were literally accused of turning the world upside down. They were. They were accused of that. And they were being followed from city to city. It's like, we've got to stop these guys because the whole world is getting turned upside down because of what they're doing. <laughs> Have you ever been accused of that? Probably not. Will you be accused of that? It'd be kind of cool if you were. I'd like that. You see, our nation, and really the world is headed for trouble. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice that, but Jesus is the singular answer. It's him. And, uh, and with the reality of, the res- of us having no real leadership or no real national Christian leader, we have leadership, but there's no real national Christian leader at this time, or certainly not of the, the stature of maybe like a Billy Graham or anything. And until or unless God raises one up, we, we won't. So what are we going to do? Are we going to sit back and wait for somebody else to do it for us? I think what God is saying is now is the time for you to do it and get out there. Um, And I'm actually kind of grateful for this time in history that I get to be here because this is the time where there is no human leader to coordinate the efforts of the evangelical church in the United States of America. Now, and that is not pessimism. I'm not, I'm not being negative at all. Uh, it's just the way things are, and I do believe it's a good thing. Because even if there is one person or a group of people that we're always following, there are a lot of things that can go wrong with that. And, uh, and I just think that this is a good opportunity for the local church to begin to become stronger and stronger the way that God designed it to be. God has given us a catalyst and an impetus of what's happened in the years prior, and now we're in a new season, and it's time to be big boys and get moving on, and big girls too. I'm, just, I'm not just talking to the guys, big boys and big girls. Let's, let's get moving forward. So really though, what this does is because there is no national central type of, even though it's informal leadership that, that's calling the church to action in the United States, now I think it's, it, it really emphasizes the importance of what actually happens day in and day out, week in and week out through your own local church. And we have to begin to address these issues that are happening around us. Um, there are cultural challenges that we're facing, and, and the cultural challenges, I know you say, well, those are national. or No, actually, they're, they're local. They're local. They're, I know some are regional, some are global, some, some are national, but there are a lot of things that are going on. There's anti-Christian legislation. Uh, there's a grossly immoral media. There's the horrors of war and all of these things. And, and can the local church, can we realistically, I'm saying realistically, have a strategic role in changing the world? Can we with all that going on? Well, the answer is, of course, yes, yes, yes. There always has been. We are to shape and impact culture. We are to make disciples, and we are to spread the gospel into all the world. That's what we're called to do. Now, there's a little, as I was putting this sermon together, I thought, you know, here's a little saying. We should, I, 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 I thought I came up with this on my own. Have you ever done that where you think come up with something? And you're like, yeah, this is my quote. And I, I did it, and I'm like, it just certainly sounds familiar. And I Googled it, and went, yeah, it's not my own. But I'm still putting it in here. It's think globally and act locally. I realize that's an environmentalist thing, you know, where we're supposed to be nice to trees and, 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 and drive Priuses or something like that. I, and, and that's all fine. That's all fine. You, you can drive your Prius all you want. I have a Ford. But it's just, I, I, I like this is really what it's all about. We've got to think globally, but the way it works is we begin to take action locally right here in our own hometown, 
right here. It starts here. And, and it kind of go, goes back, I, I like history, and, and, and it goes back to what happened in colonial America. Now, we didn't live back then, but I've studied it a lot, and I'm deeply intrigued with history because history does have a pattern, does tend to repeat itself, but it repeats itself sometimes just in a little different nuanced way. And uh, colonial America, I believe it has a lot in common with the situation of the church today. See, back then, there was no such thing as the United States of America. In fact, there weren't even states that were united. <laughs> uh, but there were these colonies that were kind of slowly, gradually uniting, but still they were very separate. They, they didn't have any central leaders. Uh, th- there were no central structures that were in place, really until the Continental Congress of 1775 and 1776. There, there really wasn't anything. So there was no one person or one group that led the colonies. Do you realize this? There really wasn't at all. Uh, There was no centralized fighting force until the summer of 1775 when George Washington was put in charge of the newly formed Continental Army. And and one of the historians that that I read, he, he made this quote, and I like this quote. He says, every town had maintained its own training band. I'll say that again. Every town had maintained its own training band. In other words, every town did its own job. And as a result, a nation was formed. And I think that's our model. And it worked then, and it makes sense uh, for the churches of today. See, because now, without central leadership, Americans, uh, you know, back then, I guess you could say, without central leadership, Americans, they, they were training, and they were uh, preparing, and they were engaging very well in battle. You might think, well, yeah, the first battle was the, the Revolutionary Army. And didn't they have that by that time because of the, uh, the, the Continental Army in 1775? Actually, the answer is, no, you, you, you're missing some things. There was the Battle of Lexington. There was the Battle of Concord. There was the Battle of Bunker Hill. There was the Battle of Ticonderoga. And those all happened without any kind of central leadership. And there were huge, huge wins for the colonists. See, but their wins didn't come out of nowhere. It didn't just happen. There was a secret force, and it was called the Minutemen. Yeah, you say, I remember that from history, the Minutemen. What were the Minutemen? They were men who were supposed to be ready in a minute, but, but it, 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 they were actually given half an hour. So, so once they were called upon within 30 minutes, uh, so we, we, but it doesn't say, sound good to say 30 minute men, you know, so just a minute man, ready in a minute, but they were actually given 30, which I'm glad they were given 30 because I don't know how they would have done it in one minute. But within 30 minutes, they would be able to get their weapons, they would get their supplies, they would get their clothing, they would get whatever they needed together because it was already ready to go and they were well trained and they immediately sprung into action with quick notice. I think that's similar to what we need here today. Um, But what set them apart was two things. They were highly disciplined, highly disciplined, and well-trained. Now, when I say highly disciplined and well-trained, I want you to see the correlation because I believe this is what God is calling the church in the United States of America to be today, highly disciplined and well-trained. Because in the past, we didn't have to be highly disciplined. We didn't have to be well-trained because Billy Graham would just come to your town and hold a big crusade. Oral Roberts would come through with a healing tent and everybody would be healed. And, and, uh, and Bill Bright would come and do some big evangelism push and teach you how to do evangelism. We would all, yeah, 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 you know. It's not happening that way anymore, my friend. And that was good. But it's not here today. We have to be highly disciplined and well-trained, which means church, the way we do church, has been transitioned here, but it needs to be transitioned everywhere. But I don't have the ability to speak into every church, but I'm saying we absolutely must be ready in a minute, ready in a minute. We need to be highly disciplined and well-trained to step into spiritual battle at any time and at any moment. See, every town had its Minutemen, and every local church needs us, needs them, Minutemen, now more than ever before. If we're going to change the world, our church, our church has to maintain a training band 
just like that. Every town maintained its own training band where we are preparing intensely and purposefully for the battles that we face and for even greater battles that I believe that are, that are coming down the road. And now is the time to train up. Now is the time to be ready. Now is the time to be ready. Uh, you know, one, one thing that it reminds me of is something that happened about six years ago five, six years ago, but there was a huge incident here in the Metroplex, and, and several people, several police officers had been killed, and, and it, was, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, the mayor's office had called me the next morning and said, we need to get together. This hap- it happened the previous night. We need, to, we need to call a city prayer meeting together. And so the mayor said, can you, uh, can you get people out? It's going to be at Burnett Park, which is a blo- you know, block and a half from here. Can you get people out? I was like, well, I'll, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can do that. So I, I just started working to get people out to this, to this event and, and put it, just make, get people there. Do everything I can to get people there. I know enough people downtown. I didn't have Adrian as my friend at that time to get people to come from downtown, but we got a bunch of people coming. And then, and then, uh, then it was about 30 minutes prior to the meeting. I was just going to show up. And the mayor, mayor's office called. Actually, it was Maddie Parker that called me, who's the current mayor. And she said, Tim, Pastor Tim, we've got a problem. Well, the mayor just realized that we've called a prayer meeting, and we don't have anyone to pray. <laughs> Will you do, we do that? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can pray. That, that's, that's, that's not, it's not a problem. I said, but the problem is I'm wearing shorts. It's the middle of the summer. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I don't have time to go home and change. And, and so, and, and uh, she said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. This is Fort Worth. This is Fort Worth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just please show up and pray. So we're able to be up there. Hundreds of people came out. Don't I think you were there that day. But we were able to come out there and pray and call on the name of the Lord and ask for the blessing of God upon our police forces and our city. And in a moment's notice, <laughs> even though I wasn't wearing the right attire but was excused because of it, see, I was able to step into action, step into action. Guys, we have to be able to step into action at a moment's notice wherever the opportunities present themselves. Because there's real warfare that's going on. Now, I'm not talking about a war in Ukraine or anything like that. I'm talking about a spiritual war. We didn't start this spiritual war, and to be honest, I I don't even like it. I don't want it necessarily. But the truth is we're being shot at, and we're being shot at a lot. And the the bullets and the bombs that are coming at us are are not of the natural world. They're not like what's happening over in Ukraine right now. Thank God, but the battle is still very, very, very real. You're seeing it all around you, and I want your eyes to be open to the very real battle that we're facing in our nation, even in our own city. It's the insanity that's invading the public schools, workplaces, media, um, the law, and, and even some churches. We're, we're, we're suffering major casualties from it. There's a, there's a movement now which is called Deconstructing Christianity, and I'll have a lot more to say on that a little bit later, not today's message, but in the future. But, but mostly what it is, it's about people saying, well, I just want to talk about, uh, about Christianity and kind of pick it apart, and really what it's become, it's become a movement of people walking away from Christ because the anti-Christian culture in our nation and even in this region is beginning to take over a lot of people's minds. And it's killing our children. It's killing a lot of young adults. It's this, this, this battle that's going on is, enti- is really tearing cities apart. And I believe that Christian leaders here in America, uh, that, that we will begin to find ourselves under increasingly significant attack. And we've already seen this in Canada and Finland. I didn't begin carrying a handgun until the, my, the, my death stress started coming in. So, I, yeah, I think I'm going to start carrying. If you don't like it, well, that's okay. Don't worry, I don't carry it in here because I got a cop out there. So it's, it's just, it's, I, I realize that we're at, we're at war here. We are at war here. And, and it's not just from threats, but I believe that even, even from the government and, and, and other things that potentially would, might happen. Uh, and, and I'm not a prophet, but I'm just telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit saying it's going to be hard in the days ahead. But war is always hard. Um, but if we keep doing church the way we did it five or ten years ago, we will be losing ground because the war is on and we must be training in discipline and the ability to move into action quickly. And, and we need to be trained up for the battles that really, really matter. And those battles really do for the sake of church, for the sake of God's work, for the sake of our children. The glory of God is in us and we must utilize it and engage the culture. 
And, and so I, I, shared this, I shared this a while back. And, I, and I'm, I'm resolute on these things, and I have not changed one bit. In fact, I'm accelerating it. I'm gently accelerating it. But some of the training that I'm bringing to you is training for unity, training on how you can personally know and understand and, and dissect the Word of God, training in your spiritual disciplines, trainings on hardship and suffering, training on spiritual warfare, training on how to actually take the power of the Holy Spirit and use use it uh, through the gifts of the Spirit and also understanding the spiritual weapons that we have. I don't want you to be unarmed. I don't want you to be unprepared. I want you to be disciplined. I want us to move forward. But, but uh, none of our efforts will go anywhere without our own commitment to seeking God, calling on His name, and being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Every major move of God that's happened throughout the history of the world has happened by people being disciplined in their faith, doing these things right here, and they pray and they seek God and they dig into the Word, and God spins in an explosion in the presence of His presence, and it, and it impacts cities and nations. Well-trained, well-armed, ready in the moment, ready to spring into action culturally as well as spiritually because opportunities and crises will arise, and I just want you to be ready. And uh, I, I, therefore, I'm, I'm just going to keep training. I'm going to keep training on things that I've been doing. Uh, there, there have been a lot of things we've been hit with recently, such as trying to, trying to deal with the issues in our culture of same-sex marriage, uh, transgenderism, Marxism, tolerance, and critical theory, and so many other things like that. And, and we actually have the better case to make. We, we really do. We even have the stories to back it up. But, there, but right now, there is this battle of ideas. There is this, th that's one of the major spiritual battles that we're facing here in our nation today. And it's not about necessarily national policy or national ideas. And it's certainly not about if we can just elect someone to go into office and do this and take care of this, everything's going to be okay. I've been preaching about that for the last 10 years, saying you know, when you elect somebody, you don't just go, yeah, all of our problems are over. No, it doesn't work that way because someone comes right back around and reverses everything they do with the strike of a pen. That is the way it works. Therefore, it takes godly men and godly women in the culture making a difference who are actually going to do things. You know, we're, we're dealing with these issues and you're dealing with them uh, in, you know, in, in, your, in your ordinary lives you're dealing with them in schools where you're, uh, you're, our schools are being taught, the children are being taught in our schools, young adults and children, about gender fluidity. Uh, and, if, and, and, and really this whole battle that we're facing is about, like, if somebody responds uh, to, to a, a, cult, a company mandate that you, everybody has to sign on to, an, to ally with the homosexual lifestyles, that becomes an issue, and then you lose your job. Uh, this whole issue that we're fighting right now has to do with students who are facing pressures from their professors to say a certain thing and to, and to talk about gender and Marxism and critical theory in a certain way for them to get a grade. Guys, we are carriers of the glory of God and we need to be trained on how to deal with these things. We need to be trained and willing to carry God into the halls of government, the education, and in business and know what to do with it when you get there. Know what to do with it when you get there. What am I going to do with this? Okay, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I've got God in me, so I want you to know what to do when the opportunity presents itself. So I'm all about training. I'm all about, re but not just me, but we all have to be raising other people up. The Minutemen, they, they were well-trained with their rifles for a shooting war, but we have to be trained in spiritual weapons and, uh, and, and not just learn about them in church, but use them. For example, if you're going to get a license to carry here in the state of Texas, you're going to have to go to an education class. So you go and you get the education, you get the information, but you're also going to have to practice, you're going to have to touch it, you're going to have to touch the gun, you're going to have to learn how to handle it and load it and unload it, you're going to have to learn how to fire it, you're going to have to learn how to hold it when you fire it, you're going to have to learn how to hit the target and safety practice, therefore you do all of these things 
which then enables you to like, okay, we're going to give you this license to carry. And I'm like, yeah, you, you won at the end. That's, I'm not asking you guys to get licensed to carry, but I'm asking you to be ready for the spiritual battles, to be fully ready, not just in your head, good Americans. I want you to your hands and your feet to be busy so you really know what you're doing here. Uh, that, that's why I, I have transitioned. I Actually, I started something back in, uh, it's been two years now, but I started it called Tim at 12. You heard me talking about it just a little bit earlier. But one of the major things that I'm doing is I'm tackling issues and I'm training believers in what the Word of God says so that you are not deceived. And, uh, and you know, I've talked about, I've, I've done extensive teaching on the false religion of Marxism. I've talked about critical theory before anyone even knew about critical race theory. I was teaching about, about a gender. I've taught about abortion. I've taught about how to make sense of the Bible. I teach about disciplines of fasting and prayer. And, and those things are critical. And that's why I, I don't put it out there as your entertainment, but it's part of the training regimen to use. In mid-June, here in a couple of weeks, I'm launching a new series on Tim at 12, and I'm calling it Demolishing Lazy Christianity. And I, I, I want that. I want that for me. I want to demolish lazy Christianity, and it's really what it is. It's a call to change your attitude, to change your outlook so that you can have God's provision so that you can have God's blessing on your life in this new season, which is what we crave anyway. It's all about training for warfare, training to be strong believers. It's about training to, so that we're no longer immature Christians so that we can change the world. I'm going to relentlessly challenge you to invest in people and to invite people to the house of God, to be on mission in your cultural streets so that we can change the world. And I want you to live generously. Let me tell you what your generosity does. Your giving here by making Jesus known happens there's a lot of unique things in our community, but the, the longest-term uh, City Life partner in our church is sitting right over there. Jack, how you doing? But we've, we've pulled him off the streets. I've worked with him. He's been in our church for years now. He's an integral part of our church, but we make sure that he has a roof over his head because of his deep commitment, and he's part of our family. He's been part of our family for a long time. It took years to get to this place, but, but because Jack has no family, we throw him a birthday party every week. Every, not every week. It'd be fun if it was every week. <laughs> that would be fun if it was every week, but, uh, uh, but a birthday party once a year. Uh, Jake, you're, you're handling uh, that birthday party is this Tuesday, right? Yeah, so you can see Jake on that. I think you've, you've probably all been invited to, through the Facebook invitation as well, but, but you know, we're, that's part of what we do as a church. Because he doesn't have a family. Um, Faith Fest, that happens. You're giving. Uh, Convoy of Hope, you know, we, it's always there. So when there are disasters, we're able to immediately support that. It's what we just do, have done with the Ukraine refugees. Traffic 911, which is helping local sex trafficking victims. The Vietnamese pastors trainings and network support, which we're, we're, we're doing to help these, uh, these pastors that are in communist Vietnam. And we also, it supports our children's ministry and our youth ministry, our benevolence, Operation Christmas Child. Oh my goodness, such an incredible event. What do we have, like 200 boxes or so? Yeah, that, that, that went out into, into other nations to bless people, to bless kids. Our back-to-school roundup, which puts school supplies into the hands of kids that are less fortunate here in our own community. Uh, also, another one which I haven't talked about in a long time is Compassion Children, the, the, the ones that we support in Brazil. Some of you forgot we're supporting them, but we support them all the time. We've been supporting them for years right now. There's this place called Child City, and it is a, it is a ministry that's in Brazil. Uh, through Compassion International. One of the children we, we support is Yasmin, and I'll have her picture up there for you. That was just sent to, her, to us. She just sent us this letter. She says, Grace and peace. I'm doing very well, thank God. I no longer live in the shelter, but I now have a home with my brother and sister because she was actually living in a shelter for a while. But she's been taken out, off, out of the shelter, and she's, she's been given education, this church helps provide her with food, helps give her Christian education, uh, make sure that she has clothing. Uh, says, I'm no longer living in a shelter, but I now have, home with, uh, have a home with my brother and sister. I feel so happy. I'm 11, and I'm turning 12 in June. I love singing songs in Spanish with my group, and I love my dog, Princesa. <laughs> and I like riding my bike with her. She's a Dalmatian. And then she says, a big hug from far away, but I hope it will reach your heart 
And then she quotes 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. That's, that's one of the kids we support. Uh, here, here's another one. There's, there's Yvonne. Let's just look at one more here. He's 10 years old. Listen to this letter from him. He said, something sad happened. My father was shot, and he's in the hospital. Please pray for him. And I'm also so glad to be back at Child City now that the pandemic is over. I turned 10 in June, <laughs> and I'm so excited. May God bless you with love and affection. Yovan. And then he gives a scripture. And I, I love it because the scripture he put at the end of his letter, and this is all handwritten letters in Spanish, translated into English, but... Uh, his letter says, is Matthew 28, 20, which is what I actually shared this morning, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, <laughs> that's part of what we do. It's been just being gutsy enough, like, let's, let's do this. Let's take some other people off the street. Let's help some other people here and around the world. Jesus said, and this is our theme for this year, occupy till I come. How can we do that? Receive Holy Spirit power. Make disciples. Baptize disciples. Teach disciples. And give generously. Now, I'm, I'm about to distribute to you some of our invitation cards. And I've decided we're, we're going to change the name of those. Something we used to call them a long time ago called Invest and Invite Cards. And, uh, and the ushers, in just a second, they're going to distribute baskets of these to you. And what is... How does it work? Well, it's very simple. Keep these cards with you, some in your, in your uh, purse or in your pocket. Uh, keep them in, a, in a, like a, they're the same size as a business card. So put them in a business card holder. Keep them in your, again, automobile, at your desk, at your office, wherever you are. And this is an opportunity for you to invest and invite. The, we, we call it invest and invite because you should invest in a person as you're inviting them, because the gospel carries best, the, the, the gospel flows best um, along relational ties. So if you have some kind of a relational connection to a person, you're investing in a person, just showing them some love or praying for them or whatever, just ask, hey, how can I pray for you? Most people will let you pray for them. Then just give them a card. I want to invite you to church. They can scan it, get the latest info on the church. See that big blank spot on the bat? That's where you can put your name and your phone number. You can put your email address. You can write a scripture reference on there for them. That's how this kind of stuff works. And I want to put these into your hands again. And you might say, I already have some. Well, you probably need another pack of them. And, and you, need, you need to take them and do something with them just to use them to get the word out. This is one of the most simple ways that you can make a difference in the world just by touching another person that you intersect with. Ushers, I want you to go ahead and begin to hand those out right now. We'll receive offering here in a little bit later, but, but uh, this is your opportunity to take something out of the offering basket. While these, off while these baskets are being passed, um, I'm going to go ahead and invite Jake and Anthony up to the platform. And, uh, and Anthony just has a testimony. Jake's going to give him a quick little interview on what God has done in his life through giving. So would you guys welcome, even though I know you're doing multiple things, but welcome Jake and Anthony to the platform right now. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. So Anthony was just telling me recently about some of the amazing answers to prayer that he's received with addressing things that were years long. So I just want to give a little bit of a preface before we unpack today's results. So what, what was going on in your world before all this change? Um, well, just life you know, life happened. A lot of um, things that God was leading us into, adoption. Um, we had a child who ended up passing away. Um, a career change that brought us to Fort Worth. And as life got hard, um, we kind of went back and forth between giving faithfully and not giving faithfully okay. um, in terms of, of our, our finances. We really struggled in our finances for a lot of years went through multiple debt consolidations and just really were struggling to make it. Um, yeah. At the beginning of this year, uh, we lost several thousand dollars worth of monthly income, and there were going to be a lot of times um, this year where we weren't going to have enough month to month. Okay. And so we, we really needed some, some big changes to happen quick. 
Okay, so what, what brought about the change from there to here? Um, well, 2019 coming to City Life was kind of the beginning of our change. We didn't have a church home. We were here from 2011 to 2019 with no solid church home. Okay. And that really began the change. Pastor, in two different um, partner banquets, challenged us in our giving, challenged us in our giving, our reoccurring giving, setting that up and just letting it happen, yeah. um, not having to think about it. And the the first year that we did that going out of, out of 2020 into 2021, um, I set it up, but I would move it around. I'd move it around as life would get hard. I'd turn it off for a little while, turn it back on. Okay. And then... The Holy Spirit, as I really, coming into 2022, really leaned into the Holy Spirit, leaned into God and the Word, um, I really determined, and I, I just, I put it before God and said, I'm not changing it. Wow. I'm setting it. We're going to set it up three times a month, and we're going to let it go. And like I said, we, we had tons of time where we weren't going to have enough money. Wow. And from January until March, um, it slowly started to go downhill. And then God put a little um, opportunity for us to refinance our house. And in the blessing of refinancing our house, we, he took us from a 20-year mortgage down to a 15-year mortgage. Okay. He paid off all of our other debt, wrapped it up into our house, saved us over $1,000 a month of income that went back into our budget, oh, wow. and gave us back almost several twenty thirty thousand dollars so that we can do the needed repairs to our house upgrades to our house and get it to where it's functional for our entire family of 11 because we have so many people <laughs> oh, in our house so. how much was freed up a month over a thousand dollars a month <laughs> of residual leave. income and everything else paid off so let me ask these follow-up questions so you said you leaned into god you dove into the word you worshiped him with everything you were would that cause and effect would have happened if you did that but didn't agree to give it no, I don't. I, it would not have that. I mean, the, the combination of leaning into God, his word, the Holy Spirit, and faithfully in action, doing what he says to do and right. giving, that was the key to the blessings of God. That's coming. right. Because on the other end, if you pulled the trigger on that transaction, but didn't lean into God and train, Absolutely. would the fruit have come? Never. Not Hallelujah. All. all glory to God. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Just a second, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to, we're going to, why don't you go ahead and get your offerings ready. Um, and, uh, but, but I also want to pray for you. Uh, but I do need to say this, explain how the offerings work. We, there are three ways to give. And I know many of you, first of all, I want to thank so many of you who have already given through your recurring giving. Thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness. If you're not set up on recurring giving, I encourage you to. But we do have three ways to give. And one is through the City Life app. And, uh, you can get that set up at, at any time. Uh, so, you know, set up your giving in there. The second is to the kiosk out there in the foyer. We call that the giving station. And the third method is the old-fashioned classic method, which is the, the offering envelope, which is located uh, right in front of you. And I, I encourage you to prepare an offering right now. Your, your tithes and offerings plus your continued giving helps us to do all the things that I was explaining to you as well. Uh, because generosity is part of changing the world. While you're preparing those, those gifts, I want to pray for you. I want you to receive this prayer right now. And if you're watching online, I want you to receive this prayer as well. Come on, just receive this with open hearts. Lord, I pray for supernatural blessing on every person in this room, every person who's watching online, every person who's listening to our podcast. I pray, first of all, that we will be people who will constantly go back to the throne of God to receive Holy Spirit power to fulfill the call of God on our lives. That we will not find ourselves empty and dry, but full of the Holy Spirit. And God, we, we pray today that, uh, that we all will be people who make disciples. That never should there be a time in our lives where we can say, well, who are you discipling? Well, I don't have anyone. God, Lord, let that not be the case for our future. I pray that we will be people who are making disciples. We'll be people who are baptizing disciples. We will be people who are training and teaching and, and, and getting involved with, with disciples so that others can learn the ways of our faith from us. 
and that we will finally be people of generosity. And through these methods that you've given to us in the scripture, we can change the world. I pray that our local church in the days to come will be stronger and more effective and more potent than ever before because we live out these principles. And I pray this over us as individuals because it's not me as a pastor who can make it happen. It's us as individuals who make that happen. So let us answer the call of God and follow through with the call of God in our own lives to operate under a whole new level of supernatural anointing to make disciples and to be generous people. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. The ushers are- Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.